This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. This one's a Carabao Cup special. So, obviously, we got one person who's still in the cup in Tom Coley and Bournemouth. You right, mate? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. And we roped in Alan for the losing team in West Ham. They're in spirit still. Thank you for that, Danny. Oh, you're welcome. I thought I'd, thought I'd kick it off a little differently this week. Let's start off with the game at Stamford Bridge, which probably had the most furore, if that's a word, around it with Frank Lampard coming back. Chelsea won it 3-2, but bloody hell, they didn't make hard work of it, did they? Tough face, your old club. And, well, was it an inside job, is the question. Yeah. Was he <laughs> helping out Chelsea? Um, no, but the, I think there was a nice touch from David Luiz at the end, though. I think went to him after the game and consoled him. Obviously, for a young player, he's been doing well at Derby as well, so it's a shame to, for him to be sort of showcased against his parent club and do, uh, do the dirty like that. But, no, it was an interesting game all round. You know, Derby will feel maybe slightly hard done by to come away with a, a loss, but... It was an interesting game, and two own goals from Derby, which makes it three own goals in two games for them. And you feel like if anyone had bet on Derby to score one or even multiple own goals in this game, it would have been heavily done for match-fixing. That's some fine pie. Listen, <laughs> Derby are obviously in a, in a very good state in the Championship, and they feel like they need to give their opponents an advantage. Yeah, stretching to Chelsea probably a little bit too far, unlike Middlesbrough, if you listened to the pod last week, absolutely shanking the ball in the 90th minute. But listen, although they're quite hard up front, Derby, I think they're a bit soft in the middle, soft at the back. Much like this fine pie, Daddy. <laughs> hmm. What do you think about the game, mate? I think there's something about Derby this season. They, they do look like a very good side. I've, I've watched a little bit of the Championship this year. And for as long as I can remember, definitely within the last sort of five or six years, Derby have been a team that have always just about made it to the end of the season and sort of petered off right at the end of the year when they look like they're going to get promoted. Um, I'm looking at their squad at the moment. They've got some players with experience in the Premier League. So um, Tom Huddleston, uh, David Nugent. So David Nugent is the same age as Wayne Rooney. What? I know. I, I'm just looking at this. I th- I'm pretty sure I've got the same Dave Nugent as well. Nugent's 33, so is Rooney. I swear Nugent was like in midway through his career when Rooney broke onto the scene. I, I genuinely don't believe that. There's n- Dave Nugent has been like 40 in my eyes for the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, Dave Nugent is 33, yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a paper round, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think they, I mean, is, is it that surprising they had a good, good performance? They, they obviously beat Man United in the last round and, and looks pretty confident at Old Trafford and maybe that's because they were playing a, a poor United team at the moment. They played against a lot of Chelsea's reserve players. Uh, Zappa Costa started, so did Emerson and um, off the, obviously Loftus-Cheek and I don't even know if Murat is a starting player anymore for Chelsea. Uh, but I guess it just takes heart for, for Derby to be able to push on in the league and know that they can battle it, battle it out against some Premier League big boys and I know Frank Lampard's going to get a, a top job before fucking Eddie Howe is now, so that's great. <laughs> Spoken with no hint of uh, anger at all there. But that does mean that Chelsea are through to the next round and will face Bournemouth after the Cherries beat Norwich. Kind of unconvincingly, Tom? Yeah. Uh, again, we played our, a second string, but I think by the sounds of it, Norwich made some big changes as well. 
uh, we, yeah, I, I watched this, the second half and, and um, they looked like the better team and definitely the team in an ascendancy. I think if they'd had an extra 10 minutes at the end of the game, they definitely would have scored again. Uh, we looked really shaky at the back and uh, a lot of players that I think are trying to make a push for our first team or even get in the match day squad really let themselves down. People like Jordan and I just wasn't up to it. Um, I think we brought Ryan Fraser at the end to try and at least give us some attacking threat. And he did more in the last 10 minutes than I did all game. So, yeah, I think we're lucky to get through. And I am sort of surprised with Eddie's tactics for that game uh, and especially the lineup. It was a real opportunity for us to, well, to, to, to progress even further in a, uh, in a, well, I guess in the shittest of all the cup competitions, but it's still it's still a cup at the end of the end of the day, and lots of teams haven't won a cup for for a very long time. So it seemed rather surprising that we were playing guys maybe out of position a bit. I mean, Pew Mark Pew doesn't get in the first team at all this season. He's he's been a great servant of the club, um, but the the only worry for us aside from obviously the poor performances. Simon Francis went off injured and, and he looks like he's got a groin injury. So I imagine he's going to miss out against uh, United at the weekend. Um, so maybe something to think about in terms of team selection for Eddie going into Saturday's game against Man United. A bit unfair though, isn't it? I, I, would have thought, I probably would have done that if I was Eddie. I mean, it, it is Carabao Cup. You do tend to find teams sort of basically stumbling their way to the, the quarters or semis before they actually take it seriously. Bournemouth are in a really good place at the moment as well, aren't they? What, what, are they sixth or something? I wouldn't go ahead jeoparding that just for Carabao Cup, especially if you got United at the weekend. Like, by the way, are there for the taking, mm-hmm. especially with Bournemouth playing the way they are. I don't know about you, Danny. But <laughs> I wouldn't want to face Bournemouth right now. Simon Francis going off injured is actually really upsetting because Tony Martial would have had him in his back pocket right back. But, well, I, 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 I don't know because he's he's played very well against sort of the the, the flary players in inverted commas. He 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 played against Zaha, and Zaha Zaha had nothing against us when we played Crystal Palace earlier this month. So I I think he probably is the best player to mark Martial. Um, I, I I agree. Maybe last season and probably for the last few years I wouldn't have said that, but he he does appear to be in a good stretch of form. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's going to replace him, whether we'll probably have to bring in uh, maybe Jack Simpson or Tyrone Mings, both of whom don't really play a lot of football, uh, or maybe alternatively play Charlie Daniels as a centre-back. I'd be more excited if I were you about Charlie Daniels coming in. I do like Charlie Daniels. He did score that really good goal, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> not the centre-back in any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, Bournemouth are through. They'll face Chelsea. That's quite a tasty tie. Another very tasty tie in the next round is Arsenal-Spurs. After Arsenal beat Blackpool 2-1 and Spurs did the dirty on West Ham 3-1. Let's talk about the Arsenal-Blackpool game because, Tom, you were actually there. What, what was it like? It was a really strange game. Um, Arsenal, for the first half, I mean, Blackpool looked like a League One team. Arsenal ran the whole show. I thought Guendouzi in the middle of the park was really confident and set up Licksteiner with a fantastic assist to make it 1-0. Uh, and something happened at the, the half where Blackpool came out and I think they just thought, well, we'll go for it and fair enough to them. And actually, after Arsenal scored their second, it, the game completely changed. Guendouzi got sent off shortly afterwards and he he got a yellow card in the first half for a bad foul and then in the second half taunted the Blackpool fans a bit after what looked like a dive in front of them and after getting a bit of abuse. And as soon as he did that, I thought to myself, he's, he's going to get sent off. I can just see it coming. Picked up a stupid yellow card and Arsenal looked like they were going to fall apart. They conceded from a corner and I think Blackpool also hit the bar from another corner as well. So they were very weak at set pieces. And eventually I think Blackpool received a red card, which I've looked back on the replays and I think is a very, very tough decision on them. A straight red for a tackle that, he was ultimately as a professional foul on around the halfway line to stop Aubameyang running running away. But it, it, it didn't look like a red card challenge to me at all. And then from there, uh, that was the game and, and Arsenal came through. But that second string Arsenal team is really poor. I mean, Mkhitaryan was there last night and obviously Czech played in goal, but I think Leno is now probably the starter keeper for them. Uh, I think Mustafi played at the back. Jenkinson's not getting in that first team squad. But there's a real gap between the guys that are on the bench for Arsenal and the guys that start. I mean, 
Aubameyang came on and looked like a bit of a spark. But yeah, the, I guess the only thing, other thing I wanted to say about the Arsenal, I've been to Arsenal before and that was to watch Bournemouth lose. But the, the only songs that Arsenal sing are about Tottenham. It is, <laughs> it's, it's honestly incredible. It's incredible. It's 90 minutes of um, what do you think of Tottenham shit? What do you think of shit Tottenham? Thank you. That's all right. It, I mean, it wasn't funny the first time. And then they do that for 90 minutes or stand up if you hate Tottenham. It's amazing. I mean, if you're talking about small club syndrome, I've never seen a club so obsessed with a different club. I think the thing about that is that I don't think Arsenal have a huge amount of regular fans. And what I mean by that, it's, all, it's almost the same as United. Uh, Man United, that is. Um, in that you get us quite a lot of tourist fans. And I think... The, the chance to actually kick off are the ones we all know from sort of social media, like stand up if you hate Tottenham, you know, like what do you think of Tottenham shit? But yeah, <laughs> it's, that's probably the reason why. But, I, I, I had a question for you both, which is if you meet an Arsenal fan now, you do you, I mean, you know that they support, they support, they started supporting Arsenal when Arsenal were good, right? I mean, I've, I've never met an Arsenal fan who goes, oh yeah, the end of Wenger, that's when I really started liking them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And uh, the, other, the I guess an extension of that is there's very few young fans. Like one thing I noticed yesterday is there was I mean there was hardly anyone I would say under the age of maybe twenty that was there who wasn't with their parents. And I wonder whether there's going to be a gap now. Of, have Arsenal lost like a a young fan base? Because I don't. If I was a young North London football fan, I wouldn't support Arsenal. I'd support Spurs. And maybe that's just based on location in terms of where you want to be. But Spurs play a lot more exciting football than Arsenal do at the moment anyway. And I wonder whether there's going to be now a gap between uh, a lot of middle-aged men who support Arsenal because they enjoyed the Invincibles team and, and teams subsequent to that with people like Henri. And whether there will be a generation gap in young fans supporting Arsenal. It's quite an interesting topic, to be fair. Maybe. Having said that, Tottenham have been... God awful for the most part of this century, and they still have a pretty big fan base. And you know, I'm talking previous to the last five years, they've been a solid sort of mid-table club. I mean, they used to fluctuate with West Ham all the time, as you know, fighting for honours of who could be tenth. I, I think you know they won't struggle too too much. I get what you mean though, because children to a certain extent can you know pick the the team that's winning all the time i mean ask danny why supports manchester united um, <laughs> certainly isn't his birthright um and yeah so th that that could be sort of a, a limiting factor to a certain extent i mean what do you think danny i mean i remember when you made the switch to west ham back in year nine so <laughs> <laughs> can't can't really talk about that it's it's interesting, and I yeah, as Alan says, I can't really comment on it because I chose Manchester United as a kid because I saw them winning. So it's it's not really something that I can chip into. I rest my case, Your Honour. No, one one thing to pick up on that United game that I, I won't let you finish that. I won't let you finish. Um, because because Arsenal got quite a lot of criticism. Well, not necessarily criticism, but um, that people were sceptical with this sort of run of eleven straight wins, and the point being that. And I, I can't, I don't have the list of teams to hand, but it was quite a limited series of teams not necessarily playing well. I realised part of that run did include West Ham. So I'm sort of <laughs> shooting myself in, the, in my foot there. But it's quite nice after that run and then drawing against Crystal Palace to show that they don't just dominate these crap teams. They can also wheeze their way through a game against the League One team. <laughs> it's quite nice to see. It's, it's not just dominating Fulham. It's more negative than that as well. Are you saying that Blackpool are better than Fulham? Defensively. Better than Fulham, that's for sure. I mean, it's not difficult at the moment. Um, one thing that you mentioned a bit in the Bournemouth game with players not maybe taking their chance, and the same with Arsenal. Emile Smith-Rowe, he came into the team, young player. He scored on each of his last two appearances for Arsenal. That does show that maybe some players can take their opportunity. But do you think that teams, especially the bigger teams like your Arsenal's and maybe Spurs, as we'll get onto in a bit, don't really take the League Cup as seriously as they used to? Of course not. I mean, there's no, there's no particular glory to winning it. 
Jose Mourinho might say differently after his treble winning season two years ago, but uh, there's, there's no particular financial gain, um, commercial gain. You know, fan base aren't particularly impressed with it. So I don't. As I said earlier, most most of the time teams will stumble into the semis and then take it seriously for a couple of games. But really, they're not committing themselves too much prior to that. And the reason is, it's the how lucrative the Premier League is. No team's going to prioritise the League Cup over the, the Premier League and sacrifice, you know, maybe one or two league places, which in the grand scheme of things is like ten million pounds, by the way. Mm. So I'm um, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. And this has been a long-running issue with the League Cup. Should it be restructured or re- rethought? But, I mean, it's, it's always going to be a, always going to be an issue with the tournament. What's, what's the point in it, then? If, not, if none of the big teams take it seriously until the semi-finals, and the little teams do take it seriously until they eventually get knocked out by a bigger team, is it not just another FA Cup, but not as prestigious? That's what it's always been, though. I don't think anyone's under any illusions. I think it's a bit of a cash cow. It's another game, a pointless one at that. Um, the only thing more pointless than that is the Scottish one. Oh, they, they just had their semis, which is <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I don't know what else to do. It's not going to be cancelled. It's just going to be a. It's a glorified under twenty threes tournament for the first period for, uh, the big, for the big boys. Anyway, one thing worth noting, Danny, is that Emil Rowe Smith. Was absolutely shite last night. He, <laughs> he he shinned one in, but he was awful. So yeah, I think um. Oh, man in the field. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's it's um it's yeah it's amazing how all these young players get their chance. But he's one that I've noticed has scored a few goals. But he was he was he was well off the pace last night. Well, got his chance, shinned it, and took it. Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter how they go in, as they used to say. Right, moving on to West Ham Spurs. Spurs three one at the London Stadium. What do you what do you think of it as a West Ham fan? Um, listen, we didn't play badly. We didn't play too bad. Listen, this isn't the type of game we really need to be prioritising for the reasons I've sort of just explained. Especially given our situation in the middle of the park. Listen, Spurs were, you know, better on the day. Son especially was. He he was definitely the best player on the field for that period. Look, it's, it's a tough time for West Ham at the moment, namely because we didn't have many centre midfielders and then Noble decides to get himself sent off. Um, by the way, t- touching on the pod from Monday, a um, lot of things said, a lot of which I don't agree with. I think the referee <laughs> ruined the game on Monday. Ruined the game because he made the correct decision <laughs> and rightfully sent off Noble. But that, that's enough of that. Um, we are... You know, we're going to struggle in midfield for the next couple of weeks because we've got Sanchez, who's who's got a long-term injury. Wilshere, who, you know, depending on what day it is, he's still injured. Um, <laughs> Noble, Noble is obviously in trouble. I mean, there's a reason we had to promote Declan Rice from being a centre-back into a centre-defensive because we were already short on options. Now we're really looking for the next sort of two weeks like we might might be a bit short in that area. Um, and yeah, so to look at the game, Spurs were probably the better. Um, listen, it's a shame. To, I, despite at the time, I was quite happy that Son was uh, winner of the Asian Games. Now it's looking like my my love for him has turned into <laughs> him abusing my team. So I, I sort of hope he's doing, or well, should have been doing press ups in a barrack somewhere in South Korea. <laughs> but but I'll leave that. Um, listen, they, they they definitely were. The better team, and um, yeah, I, it, it'll be a good quarter final between uh, Spurs and Arsenal. It always is between those two. Saying that, you probably jinxed it. It's going to be a classic nil-nil draw. Yeah, and a lovely way for them to bounce back from the the Man City defeat. Nice for them to see a, a clean patch of grass on this <laughs> oh, game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That horrendous pitch. Also, sorry, I hate to sort of bring up beef because I, I wish I was there to contribute on Monday. I really, I really would, um, <laughs> but. Um, I, I did pick up on one thing, which was um, Ryan talking about the the retractable NFL pitch that, that's going to be in place. I suppose a new stadium, yeah. Which is which is absolutely brilliant. That would be fantastic, and I can't wait for the retractable seats at the West Ham Stadium to be there as well. Because <laughs> owners don't lie, Ryan. They don't lie, and I'm sure, despite the cost, they're absolutely going to be there. Rest assured. 
just starting beef over podcasts now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rather than directly talking to each other. Um, so, yes, yeah, Spurs-Arsenal, very tasty quarterfinal. And then the one that sort of s- surprised, I guess, everyone, Borough beating Palace by goal to nil, uh, a late first half strike from wing was enough to, to seal that. I mean, Tony Pulis has had his his criticisms of the way he plays football, but you've got to say it's working for them this season, though. Good for them. <laughs> great. great. Hey, Tony Pulis back at Crystal Palace, though, eh? Lest we forget. <laughs> the good old days. Um, the only thing that I found from this that was, was quite interesting is that Pulis eliminated a higher league opposition for the first time since 1996. I mean, it makes a lot of sense as a stat, because I think Pulis is a very solid manager up to a certain level. And by that, I mean, as a championship manager and as a dogged Premier League manager, he's very effective. I mean, the way he brought up Stoke, who, you know, until last year looked like a... And and they were an established Premier League team who didn't look even close to dropping. Um, It was only Mark Hughes that was, you know, managed to change their fortunes in such dramatic fashion. Um, But no, you know, he's a very functional midfielder. I think Middlesbrough at the moment are lying third in the championship. So... I mean, you know, for all the sense, and, and they're actually level with Leeds in second. So, yeah. you know, it's not beyond the point that they, Pulis could be guiding another team to the Premier League. So he's a functional manager, and it's not a total surprise that he beats Crystal Palace. Eight changes for both teams. Oh, I mean, especially if Zaha wasn't playing against Middlesbrough. And, and he wasn't. You know, it's been widely reported that Crystal Palace without Zaha are very limited. And it showed they can't beat a championship team that go route one pretty much every opportunity. Um, So that pretty much wraps up the games. We're recording this at the time that Manchester City are playing Fulham. As as we speak, Man City are winning. So we can't comment on where they'll play. But we'll know Manchester City or Fulham will either play Leicester or Southampton. Of course, the Leicester-Southampton game postponed um, until further notice. I think it's end of November after what happened last weekend, which is, I, th- I think, a good thing, to be honest. it's You can so easily get lost in in football being the most important thing, but I'm glad that someone somewhere has taken the initiative to make sure that game gets postponed a little bit later. Yeah, you know, it, it's a tough time. and You know, they're still grieving, so it, it would have been inappropriate to play it. I, I don't think the other team would have wanted to. Was it, was it Cardiff? Uh, Southampton. Southampton, sorry. Um, the, the, I think it would have been a strange game by all accounts. I think give a little time for grievance. I think that's the most appropriate thing. Right. Before we move on from the Carabao Cup, dark horses left in the competition. Annoyingly, Borough play Burton because Burton beat Nottingham Forest on the Tuesday. Yeah, 3-2. A bit of a surprise result there. They face up against each other. Do you think either of those teams can upset someone else maybe in the semi-finals? Is it, uh, no. <laughs> Tom, have you got any other opinion on it? Um, my, no, no. Just... Oh, shall I expand on it? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet. Uh, thank you for listening to the Game Time podcast. I mean, when, it, when it's a one-off game, I mean, there's always an opportunity, but I think like Alan said, when you get to the semi-finals... Big teams do take it a bit more seriously, so it's even less likely to happen. I think yeah, if there was going to be an upset, it's more likely to have been in the quarterfinals. So um, I think they can hope and then they can... I know that, uh, was it last season, Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal? Or maybe the season before? I mean, those they, they are rare occasions it does happen, but I think they'll just enjoy one of those teams being in the semi-finals. And for me, I hope it's Burton. Do love a bit of Burton. Still signed up for some reason to their website, so I get regular emails from the chairman. I don't remember signing up to it, but I did. GD, uh, GDPR, they need to be careful with that. They, yeah, they probably do. He's a really nice guy, to be fair, though. Really well written email, so I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say no. Still breaking the law, but <laughs> <laughs> right. So that will bring an end to our Carabao Cup little bit. Let's have a look at what's happening in the Premier League this weekend. Let's start it off. Bournemouth, Manchester United. We're going to probably be watching this together, I think, Mr. Coley. 
Yep, hope so. Saturday, early, early Saturday afternoon. Um, right. I'm going to let you know I'm I'm bringing flares. So <laughs> good. <laughs> good. How do, you, how do you think the game's going to go? You, you guys are in in very good form at the moment, Bournemouth. Yeah, I I, I think that we we have the potential to get a result. I, I think a draw would be a great result for us. Where I mean, however well you're play, however poorly you're playing, or however well we are playing. I think anything against Man United home or away is a great result. And we seem to have had a, a relatively good record against you um, since we've come up. Obviously, we, we've beaten you. Um, I think we've, have we beaten you once or maybe twice? And I know we've drawn with you as well. So that I think that if we can get a point, um, we, 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 I would be very pleased with that, especially going into Newcastle, the last game before the international break. Um you you I think you do seem to be in better form. I think it would have been better to have played Man United maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, but the Champions League next week, so I do wonder whether Mourinho will have one eye on preparing players to play against Juventus out in Turin. So maybe some of the big players may be rested, although I do feel that Lukaku is likely to come back into the team. And we have a very, very poor record against uh, against him personally, whether that's been with him at um, Everton or Man United. Uh, yeah, dropped obviously for the Everton game. Seemed to work. United looked a lot more dynamic, to be honest, with, with Rashford playing down the centre. Maybe some issues with with finishing chances, but they looked a lot more dynamic. And I think I remember the last time we watched the Bournemouth-Man United game, Junior Stanislas scored direct from a corner. And mm. I'm pretty sure I lost all the hearing in my left ear. I'm very loud on the right-hand side. You are. It was. It was directly into my ear hole. Yeah, notoriously <laughs> lopsided with your vocal cords. <laughs> um, you, you can rest assured, though, that you still will be above Man U. I mean, as long as they don't spank you eight nil. That is. But yeah. so as long as it's less than eight nil, it's a good result. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's very much a battle for the Europa League places, though, isn't it? At this stage. What do you think, Danny? How do you, I mean? How do you think United will shape up, and, and would you be happy with a point? You know what? In the <laughs> dig, <laughs> we haven't gone to West Ham yet. Of course yet. he is. Of course he would be. In in the way that Bournemouth are playing, yes, more than happy with the point. I mean, Ryan Fraser, most assists in the league. He looks really good, and we have a habit of just not being able to defend those sort of players very well. People who just sort of drift in and and like to create chances and and run at defence. I think. Was it the third goal against Fulham that you scored where Fraser picks it up, runs it through, feeds it into Brooks and, and he fires under? That's the sort of thing that I reckon Eddie will be saying to, to you guys. If we can hit Manchester United on the counter, Lindelof has played really well recently, but Chris Smalling, I don't know what's happened after his grazed knee, if he's going to play or not, but the <laughs> man doesn't look great when people are running directly at him. He just seems to take him out for penalties, so you guys have a habit of winning penalties as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if you did get one. But yes, very happy with a point, to be honest. I think we can, if Martial has the games that he's been having recently, I think we can cause you a few troubles. And why not? We have a very, very good team that just seem to be underperforming for whatever reason. We've probably talked about it enough on this and, and debated what it is, but... I think United can win, but I wouldn't say I'd be upset with a with the point. I I, I still worry about United's defence. I mean, small smalling for his age is still making silly errors. Uh, Lindelof, it's a good point actually because he's starting to look like the player United paid thirty odd million for. But you know, if you partner him with Coolio's estranged son, <laughs> who's a uh, shocker, but no. <laughs> I mean, it would be an interesting game, I think. An interesting game, no doubt. Uh, another big game of the weekend, Arsenal-Liverpool, probably oh, the oh. biggest game. And we talked, I mean, I think Alan said briefly in the Carabao Cup bit there that Arsenal spanking Fulham, Cardiff, West Ham isn't really that much of a, of a plus because they should be beating those teams anyway. This is going to be a very different test for them, isn't it, Tom? I think Liverpool's attacking force is the exact um, threat that Arsenal have been incapable of dealing with so far this season. 
Um, they don't look assured in defence. I think Tim alluded to it on Monday that they seem to be crying out for another uh, top-class defender, although I guess Ryan <laughs> well illustrated that maybe Koscielny isn't as good as people make him out to be. Um, yeah, the, the, attacking-wise, Arsenal have been impressive in, in the league. Um, Aubameyang and Lacazette forming a very good partnership. And maybe they will put a bit more pressure on players like Van Dijk and Joe Gomez, who have had good starts to the season for Liverpool. Um, but I can't see um, Arsenal defending well against Mane, um, Salah, and Firmino. Um, so I, I would, I would, I think I would think that this will be a Liverpool win. Um, but Arsenal are really going to have to pull out a, a significant performance and have the likes of Özil and if Mkhitaryan plays, contributing directly from the first minute to, to even stand a chance of getting anything out of the game. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be worried if I was Arsenal because Liverpool, uh, after maybe a slight wobble a couple of weeks ago when they faced Napoli and and was it Chelsea twice? They lost... Uh, no, no, drew one, lost the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're starting to look quite solid again. It's almost looking like a second act of this clock team because he's managed to fit Shakiri in in a certain way, he's sort of playing a more receding role mm. or a slightly further back role than we're used to seeing Shakiri in, in a sort of far right position. Liverpool almost look like they've got their fab four back again. Maybe too early to say, but Shakiri's certainly sort of fitting into that quite well. And he's being he's linking up very well with that team. I'm not sure if Arsenal have the quality, as, as you alluded to just there and as you, you boys were talking about on Monday, whether they're going to be able to handle that at all. Um, they're still devastating Liverpool. They're slightly slower and more assured than they were before. But yeah, they're still they still could be devastating on the break. And Arsenal are still mm, we still worry about them. Emirates, they've not quite had a test like this in a number of weeks. So yeah, it doesn't look good for me. Could be a heavy, heavy defeat for Arsenal if if they don't really dig in. Is it a shop window though for uh, Ramsey? Yeah, obviously, they announced that they wouldn't be giving him a new contract, which I think, personally, is really interesting because I thought he'd he'd get a new contract just because of the way Emery likes to play. I thought he'd fit into that mould. I don't know what you guys think. But he's, he's one of the Arsenal Wenger players that had a bit of steel. And of all the sort of, you could call them maybe like flimsy players that have, you know, have been promoted through Arsenal's Wenger system, he was the one that did have a slightly rougher edge. Obviously, Xhaka as well, but he's just... That's he doesn't have an edge. He just has a thick skull. <laughs> um, but I, I thought he would have, yeah, improved under memory, but obviously that's not the case. It's a shame. Tom, do you think he could stake a claim to join any top six team? Um, yeah, I think he could. I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, he's, he's progressed well over the last few years. Um, obviously, coming back from that horrible injury, um, he's. I think he's actually done very, very well. Um, has become sort of a him and Gareth Bale are the face, the face, or the faces of the Welsh national team, and he sort of leads that line as well. Um, my my opinion is that he um, is probably asking for more money than Arsenal can afford to pay him, um, and I think he's probably got an eye on joining a team where he can be a title contender because he's not going to be able to do that at Arsenal. Uh, unless they make, unless they were to make significant changes, anyway, um, I, I think we've said before it'd be interesting if he had the opportunity to go abroad, um, maybe join up with um, his 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 good friend Gareth in Madrid. Um, but but I I, th- I I do think he he could he could start in um, I think he could start in Man United's midfield. I think he could probably make a contribution in Liverpool's midfield as well. Um, but it's up to him now. Um, I guess that the, the, at least Arsenal have been honest and frank with him very early and whereas I think last season with Wilshire it sort of went on until maybe May before they actually made a definitive decision so at least now now for him he can make a, do his own research and decide what he wants to do with the rest of his career Bizarre though because you just talk about Wilshire he left on a free mm-hmm. the amount of Arsenal players that shipped over to City for well some of which were bought but a few of which I think Clichy went for did he go for nothing? Uh, Carlo Torre went for nothing, which obviously, you know, they're not they're not superstar players, but Arsenal's policy on mm. letting letting players of some repute 
run their contract down. It's bizarre because it looked like Ozil was going to do it until he signed, signed. And by the way, they had to give him 350 grand a week last minute to even convince him to stay. The, the way they approach these things is bizarre. Really is bizarre. And there's always been that boardroom on-pitch struggle at Arsenal. Ugh. And I think it it is weird. And I don't think it will change under Emery. But that, that's nothing to do... Was it anything to do with Wenger? Is it anything to do with Emery? Isn't that, isn't that the higher-up people? But the way it's run does, doesn't seem like a higher echelon club, does it? Mm. The, the way they handle those situations. No, no, not at all. Hey, a couple of games that I wanted to talk about of note... Huddersfield, Fulham, neither team can defend, but Huddersfield can't score. So, is it a nailed-on Fulham win? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think Huddersfield will win that game. Um, defensively, I, I don't think I've seen a worse team in the Premier League uh, than Fulham this season. Um, and I've seen Cardiff play, so that's a, it's a real kick in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think... Huddersfield's problem is that they need to find a goal scorer and De Potra doesn't look like he's got it in him and I don't think they have many alternatives. Um, but yeah, in terms of organisation, I think it was interesting after the, after the Bournemouth result last weekend, Fulham, uh, the Fulham's owner came out and said, Jukanovic has got the complete support of him and the board and, and they wouldn't think about doing anything this season. I think that's a, the wrong message to send out because I, I think there appears to be a bit of a... I would say, a negative attitude within that squad. And maybe they aren't happy about the transfer policies that came into the club over the summer. It does appear that a lot of the new boys went straight into the team rather than rewarding the players that got you up into the Premier League. And Maybe if there's one thing you can argue about Neil Warnock's Cardiff team, at least he's given all the champions shy to go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I really do worry for Fulham. Fulham have this thing where I feel like there are a lot of people's favourite second team I mean I quite like Fulham the the ground is very nice and they seem to play the right type of football but they can't get results at the moment and um, I do think Huddersfield will grind one out on Monday night We went to the Watford Huddersfield game last week and you know what Huddersfield don't look a bad side for portions of the game and then they look like an absolutely awful side for other portions of the game they created chances a lot of them were just long-range opportunities, though. And I think that's, interest- oh. interestingly enough, um, I found that they didn't put any crosses into the box to De Poitra, who's very good in the air, until he came off. And then the minute he walked off the pitch, they put the ball wide and whipped it across to Steve Mounier, who mm. isn't bad in the air, but is not as good as De Poitra. So, I don't know, maybe just got to reinvent how they create chances, maybe, a little bit Huddersfield. Uh, yeah, I... Th- as a game, it's intriguing on the basis that, as we said, Fulham, hopeless at defending, has been very well documented that they're on for a, on to smash the record for a Premier League goals conceded. And Huddersfield, by the same opposite token, don't don't score many at all. So it's going to create some sort of vacuum of incompetence, <laughs> um, which is going to swallow the rest of the Premier League into. But as you said, Huddersfield, when we went to the game, very uncoordinated in the final third. Um, I, I, I do like the the message of full support that mm. the, the Fulham chairman gave. It's essentially a death wish. I've, I've heard that game before from David Sullivan and David <laughs> yeah, Gunn yeah. as they silently load a gun in the darkness. <laughs> um, or a dildo. Or, or a dildo. Um, bling. Um, <laughs> listen, that, that means absolutely nothing in football, does it? They, they effectively have to say that. And the fact they have to say that means that a limited number of games to prove themselves because they've spent far too much money to uh, let let them sink back into the championship. Oh, and they could. I don't. I don't wish it on any club, but could easily do a Portsmouth and just slowly slip down the league table if their financial ways go the way they're going, because that that will cripple them. Yeah, I, th- I think that we've mentioned this before, but uh, I think the, the the advantage Fulham have is they have an owner who's willing to invest. And the problem with Portsmouth was that they were relying on the income that that was associated with, when, with the Premier League. So when they went down, they suddenly didn't have any other support. But I think the issue with them will be their ability to buy players if they were relegated, because the amount of money they'd be spending on people like Andre Scherler's contract um, would be 
limit them so much. Um, but yeah, they need to turn it around and they need to turn it around quickly because if they get sucked into that battle, they've got a lot more to lose than other clubs, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, two random derbies that I've just made up off the top of my head. You've got the Claret and Blue derby in West Ham versus Burnley and then the Mark Hughes derby in Manchester City, Southampton. Take your pick on which one's going to be better and, and how do you think those games are going to go? I mean, first of all, the Mark Hughes derby could apply to a variety of teams that he has uh, momentarily shone at and then ultimately left worse off. Um, I don't have a huge amount of opinions on that. In terms of the West Ham-Burnley game, uh, well, Burnley, I mean, historically haven't been very good away. Look, it's West Ham aren't playing well, but this is the sort of... No, no, aren't playing badly, sorry. Um, we have picked up since the start of the season. We've got to be careful because we're on a run of three or four straight defeats again now. For... Two consecutive defeats to Spurs. Yes, and, and the game against Brighton. And, and despite, you know, how well we played against, you know, the United and Everton, we need to start, you know, picking up points again because otherwise we'll be back in a position, you know, being close to relegation because it's it's quite tight at the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very... T- I mean... Newcastle, Huddersfield, Fulham are, are the ones that I think are most in danger. Yeah, but, but to give context, we are three points off relegation. Fulham have, as we said, horrendous goal difference, but we, we they're, they're on five points and we're on eight. So, you know, we need to start picking up points. Um, and I think, you know, would I be happy with a point against Burnley? Probably, they're a hard team to beat. But Are they? they? I mean, they've shipped, what, like eight goals in the last two games they've played. Maybe typically, classically and typically hard to beat, and uh, that's lasted long in my memory. <laughs> credit credit to Burnley where it's due as well. They did beat Sip from the league four 0 this season, so that is Bournemouth though. But... Oh, yeah, <laughs> fair play to them to get one one decent result. Eddie Howe should have been sacked after that. Shouldn't he? <laughs> no, this, right. this is the game though that last season caused all the controversy with the pitch invasions, wasn't it? From the West Ham fans, lots of the um the uh, Shouting and the the coin throwing at the owners, so um, I feel like West Ham have moved on a bit since then. I don't particularly feel there's that much. Um, well, I still don't think Gold and Sullivan are particularly appreciated that much, but I guess things have improved relatively since that point, anyway. Well, I think effectively, whenever West Ham do start playing badly, it's always taken out on the owners. It's very rarely blamed on the management. Um, but I think you know they have. One thing that you can say about West Ham this summer is they've dug into their pockets a bit more, Sullivan and Gold. Um, and that was the criticism before that because, you know, it was Newcastle and uh, West Ham were the two teams that, had, in terms of net spend, um, spent less than League One clubs uh, prior to this summer, obviously, because West Ham spent, you know, 100 odd million bringing in players. Um, so there's probably, there's been a bit less of that last season. That Burnley game last year, that, that was a low point. By the way, that was yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, tensions were high then, uh, but it, it's I think a lot's improved in a year for us, and uh, there's reason to be hopeful. I think. I mean, we're in no danger of getting relegated. Some of the dross that's down there, honestly. Um, I mean, putting Huddersfield, Southampton, Newcastle, and Fulham. Assuming you know, two of those has got to go down, you'd, you'd think. And then there's still sort of Burnley and Crystal Palace between us and them. There's some there's some teams playing pretty poorly in the Premier League this year. Well, you mentioned Crystal Palace. They're down there. They're away at Chelsea. Picked up a very good point against Arsenal, though, and played really well. Do you think they can replicate that against Chelsea, who are still unbeaten this season? I would say no, not for me. I think Chelsea are a completely different threat to Arsenal. Much more compact, much more organised. Um, I think I have two of the best midfielders in, in, in the Premier League as well in Kante and Jorginho. I think I, overall Chelsea this season have been really impressive and I don't know about you guys, but they've definitely um, gone past my own expectations of how they were going to perform. I did not think they'd be anywhere close to the top uh, the top two in, in Liverpool and Man City. Um, and as you mentioned earlier on, I mean, it's, it's evident that Crystal Palace weren't taking the cup draw in the week seriously because they rested so many players. And I think the last seven seasons, they've been knocked out of the Carabao Cup by lower league opposition four times. Um, so hopefully they're going to be resting up to play a big game this weekend. But they need Zaha to perform. 
Um, Milivojevic can only score so many penalties and I don't think they, they probably won't get as many away from home statistically I think that's the case um, but they need Zaha to perform and, and we, we joke about it so much that he's so important to that, t- that side but it, it, it's so obvious and so apparent when he doesn't play well because they don't they look like a completely different team they look like they don't have ideas and they don't have um, processes in place to to maybe exclude him from a game. I mean, if, if he ever gets injured for an extended period of time, you may as well write them off and put them down straight away because they are, they are such a different team. I think you, you were talking on Monday, was it, that he's rather inconsistent. I think the thing is, he is I would rate him as one of the top players in the Premier League. Maybe not on the higher echelon, but he, he is definitely, you know, he's batting above the average that Crystal Palace are. And the thing about that is, when he has a bad game, there's no one to fill that void. Mm. As you just said, they have no, Tom, there's no way of you know, filling in when Zaha plays badly. And so it's quite painfully obvious to see when he is having an off game because no one's there to, you know, as there is in the top teams. You know, any, any player, you know, City or Liverpool could have a real shocker. I mean, Mane and Salah have, but, but there's other players to step in and play well. And, you know, in terms of the Chelsea game, look, I, I agree with you completely, Tom, because... I never expected Sarri to have such a big impact. I think Klopp said it earlier on in the season that he's never seen a manager bring on a team in such a short space of time before as, as Sarri has. Because it's unbelievable. Because I, 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 you know, I saw his Napoli team and thought, wow, it's really impressive. They score a bunch of goals. But it's going to be different in the Premier League. It's harder. Week in, week out. You know, this, you know we, we've got proper teams right down to the relegation zone. You're not just going to be play, able to play this Sarri ball, you you weird chain smoking caricature of a man. <laughs> but he's done really, really well, and he's brought on a few England youth players as well. And it's well, yeah, I'm, I'm just so impressed. Yeah, that I, I think they're going to Crystal Palace are going to be well, they, they're going to struggle against Chelsea, and I think they're going to continue their unbeaten run in the league. They have looked very, very impressive indeed. Last couple of games, Everton, Brighton, both teams doing pretty decent. Obviously, Everton, poor against United last weekend, but did manage to keep it respectable at 2-1. Brighton, we mentioned it in this week's pod earlier, Glenn Bloody Murray. He loves loves a goal, 100 goals for Brighton. He'll probably carry on scoring, no doubt. Um, Cardiff take on Leicester City. That game will... Most likely be quite a quite a difficult game, but and then Wolves versus Tottenham Hotspur. That could be a tough game, Tottenham, especially in the context. You know, West Ham didn't put up too much for fight, and it was quite a limited team. Wolves, that's a whole different element, I think. A full strength Wolves team, and also you know the way that Pochettino's been talking in the press is quite. I don't think we've seen this before because it, it, one thing I've admired about um Pochettino and Klopp. They've always been so positive, even when there's been, you know, bad, bad results, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Pochettino, especially, would never criticise. But on Monday, despite the fact they had their best start of the season ever in the Premier League, that is, he said he's never felt so low. And is that because of the Real Madrid? Yeah, Thanks. I think he's fishing. I think he's fishing. I think I think he wants to see what job. I don't know how seriously they're taking Pochettino. I, I think I heard a lot of rumours last week that Conte was almost finalised before they sack Lopetegui. Mm. Um, so I, I would be surprised if they don't go for Conte Real Madrid. Um, but I think he's putting. I think he's putting his name out there. Um, and that's he, the thing you've got to be careful because I mean, although Marco Silva got his his job eventually, the, the way that Everton, no, um, Watford dropped off after he was basically, you know, he put his name out there for the Everton job. And Watford struggled because there's a team, you know, the whole team mentality drops off and Pochettino's got to be careful because if, like you said, if Conte gets this job and Pochettino is basically, you know, he, he sort of put his name out there. Not not, not directly, but it, it's no coincidence that he's uh, he's been quite negative in the week that Lopetegui gets sacked. Right, so that ends our Premier League preview for this week. Um, anybody got any talking points from the week's football that they want to share before we're done? Um, there's one thing that um, I'm a huge fan of in the modern age of football, and that's um, the introduction of social media into big football clubs and the, out, the content output they now focus on almost weekly. 
Uh, and this week, Bournemouth put out some videos for Halloween, which I've never even realised was a holiday that was even celebrated particularly. Um, <laughs> but they put out a video of Andrew Sermon and Jefferson Lerma um, apple bobbing. <laughs> and then another video of them uh, doing some pumpkin carving. Uh, Andrew Sermon does a pretty good job and does quite a, a, a I guess, a, a gap-toothed pumpkin face on his. And um, Jefferson Lerma, who, bear in mind, cannot speak a lick of English, <laughs> is completely out of his. He does not know what's going on. <laughs> uh, and at one point, Andrew Sermon turns to him and says, oh, oh Jeff, um, who do you think this is, you know, with the gap teeth? Jefferson Lerma doesn't understand him and goes, yes. <laughs> so it's well worth watching if you can find it online. But uh, no, the, the social media output of some clubs recently has been very good. Uh, one thing I did enjoy this week, um, I, I didn't watch the Tottenham City game, but I was listening to it on Five Live on the way back from work. Um, an interesting development, which I'm, I'm going to be uh, taking a close look at, it appears Mark Chapman and Chris Sutton hate each other. <laughs> oh, really? Because the commentary, all I could describe it as is schoolgirl squabbles. <laughs> um, I think Mark Chapman was making the observation that the atmosphere was quite, you know, dull and the Tottenham fans needed to, you know, lighten it up a bit. To which Chris Sutton said, no, I don't agree. I think the players need to light up the fans. Um, Mark Chapman says, why do you not think they're playing well? Um I, do you think it's this? And he said, said something about the formation. Chris Sutton said no. To which Mark Chapman said, well, you're the pundit then. What do you think? <laughs> so I'm going to look at this very keenly from now on because it appears there's some sort of squabble going on. Oh, that's, that is wonderful. Chris Sutton, what a man. Right, that brings us to a close for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a full review of the Premier League, some more unpopular opinions and some funny and interesting talking points. But from us, it's goodbye and see you next week. Cheers, guys. Mark Noble's innocent. <laughs>